0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Stick host Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be talking about the Thunder and Blues games that they played on Tuesday, some of the main takeaways, and some breakout players from both teams. So, just getting right into the mix of things with the Thunder Trail Blazers game. This game was played in the peak. Surprisingly, the game continued on. Crazy power shortages just all across just the entire country. I mean, in Oklahoma, people are getting shortages in the mornings. It hit me once already. Uh, it may hit me, I guess. I mean, technically, I'm recording this on Tuesday night, so it may hit me again on Wednesday. I'm not too sure. Just everyone, you know, be safe. You guys know if you don't already have all your stuff, uh, just wait for things to cool off. I know that the sun was out and snow was dried up maybe like two days ago. That's how we got our uh, shopping out of the way. Just stay inside. You don't need to be risking anything unless you literally have to. But yeah. And apparently the Oklahoma City Thunder had to play this game. And they used a lot of power. I think there was you know some parts of the arena they didn't have the power on. But still a lot of power being generated into an NBA arena as a Thunder fan, you can't really complain that the game happened, but you kind of got to put things into perspective for a little bit. Anyways, the show went on. Shea Gilgis-Alexander out again with a knee injury. Boy, oh boy, he is looking like Ty Jerome right now, and as a Thunder fan, you really can't complain because see some of your younger guys in action, and you know, you may not win every single game if SGA is not with you, so it helps out in a couple ways, and for the Trailblazers, they still are out of C.J. McCollum. Yusuf Nurkic isn't playing. Rodney Hood didn't play, and neither did Zach Collins. So there are four pretty solid guys there, and you got two of your three leading stars on a team who couldn't make it for the game. And it showed up kind of early. I mean, the Thunder, they sprung out to a 5-0 run off a pretty unique starting lineup. Now, Teo Maladon... I didn't mention him in the outlist, and that's because he got cleared from the health and safety protocols, so he manned the starting position at the point guard. You had Lou Dort surprisingly playing at the shooting guard for this game, Kendrick Williams at the three, Baisley at the four, and Horford at the five. A little bit of some swappages here, you got Diallo on the bench, Justin Jackson on the bench, despite two very, very solid performances in the past two games. But it is what it is. Looked pretty solid going 5-0 in that run. But the Blazers, they ended up firing right back with a 7-0 run. And it kind of just turned into one of these quarters where just an exchange of shots all around. Nobody had real footing. Until the very end of the quarter when the Blazers, they got on a 9-0 run. Pretty much solely off of transition buckets. Three of them straight up came off of cherry picks and the three ball they had. They, it was in fast break offense, kind of just happened upon them. They had the shot, dialed it up, got it to go. So they were up 29 to 17 after that run, and they didn't really let up on it. They were up 13, 34 to 21 through the first period. And it was kind of a change of pace for this Thunder squad. The Thunder without Shea Gilgis Alexander, they've not really been this perimeter centric team that we've seen they've actually worked a lot down low and you've seen a lot more cuts to the basket because Shea attracts so much attention to himself and he's driving in pretty much every time you can't have two or three guys doing backdoor cuts on plays when it's already predetermined it's going to be a Shea Gojus Alexander isolation off like a high ball screen you know with him out of the rotation it allows for more of these things however with Teo Maladone being at the point guard you finally get your true number one like, ball handler. And Maladon, he wanted to be in the pick-and-roll offense, so it took away a lot of these opportunities you would have seen from players such as Kenrich Williams, players such as Isaiah Roby, Lou Dort, Basley trying to go inside to the basket. And that's why the Thunder actually reverted to shooting a lot of threes in the first quarter. They shot 10 of them. They only made three. That's pretty decent percentages. You definitely have been able to see worse, so you can't be too, too mad. But, I mean, it it did kind of take a little bit of a hit there because when you're not able to establish an inside game, it's going to create problems. You can't just rely on the three ball to get yourself out of games. That's just how it has been. Darius Baisley and Al Horford, though, they actually were really, really great for the team in the first They combined for 17 of the team's first 21 points in the quarter, and it was off of 6 of 10 shooting. So outside of them, not a lot going on, but it's great to see Al Horford doing his thing, but Darius Baisley looking to have a really great game. Now, the only issue with this little tandem going on was they couldn't stop Damian Lillard on defense. Damian Lillard had 12 points in the first quarter, off of six of 11 shooting, and luckily there were no sidekicks established. Whenever Lillard gets a sidekick like McCollum or something, you know the signals need to start going off in your head. Didn't happen through period one, so they had a bit of a grace period to try to adjust to Lillard and adapt to any potential threats who could come up in the game. But sadly. I mean, the Blazers, they found their sidekick next to Lillard in the second quarter, and through their sidekick, they didn't let the Thunder get into single digits really at all in the second. They had a double-digit lead the whole time, really, and they got their lead up as much as 22 points. Anthony Simons was the sidekick, and he had a 20-piece in the game back in January. Looked like he'd be just killing it again. All nine of those points came off of three triples. And he's doing this with the ball in his hands. He's not a catch-and-shoot player. He is a shot creator. Whenever Lillard's out, you throw Simons in. And he can give you some sort of effort. He's really a hot and cold guy. Clearly very hot right then and there. Because he's one of the main reasons that the Blazers elevated so high in the box score by the first half. And the Thunder, they did... An alright job trying to close out on Simons and the rest of the Blazers squad because they were able to cut the lead to just 14 by half. So being as far back as 22, knocking it down 8 points, you take these small victories when you can. And I think one of the other victories you could take away is Damian Lillard got into foul trouble very early in the game. He already picked up his fourth foul with a minute to go in the second. So he had to be sidelined. He was pretty furious about just the state of things. I mean, he had to let his teammates try to hold up on this lead. And it ended up bending a little bit and just limited him for the future parts of this game. So looked like a big jump for the Thunder. Maybe they could take advantage with something like this. Going into the second half. And what they needed to adjust on in that second half. It had to come down from stopping the Trailblazers from three. Because the Thunder. They have prided themselves this month of February. Just stopping teams from the perimeter. And especially in these last three games. When you look at their last three. Not including the Trailblazers one. You're talking about the Bucks. The Nuggets. And the second Lakers game. Teams combined were held to 11 of 45 shooting from downtown in the first half. That's 24%. In this one game against the Trailblazers, they almost got up to that combination of three teams. They combined for 11 made threes in their games. The Trailblazers, they made 10 three-pointers through the first half, and they only had to shoot the the Rock 22 times. So 45% from deep, you can't really stop them from out there And whenever they're feeling it, it's going to be a rough time for you. So being down double digits, pretty obvious why Thunder needed to clamp down hard on them to make any sort of push. But the Blazers, they really just started out strong. They continued to just dominate. They had a lead as high as 24 points at one point in the quarter. But the Thunder, they got into rhythm very late in the third they went on a 14 to 3 run in the very back end of things to help lower the deficit to just 11 and from then on it just became an offensive duel both sides were queuing up three pointers inside shots whatever you wanted and Lou Dort came up very big in that point of time he had 10 points in the quarter and was one of the main reasons why the team capped off the period scoring seven straight field goals. So they were still down 14 points, 93 to 79, a lot to work with. But at least there's some sort of momentum because entering the third, the only momentum you had was based off of Lillard being just not able to play as much. Now you actually get a real thing that is with your team. I think you're the other way around, you're looking at it as, you know, we're not playing that well, but at least their star players out. On the flip side, it's, oh, we're playing well. Their star is in foul trouble right now. Let's attack. So in the fourth quarter, that's what they were attempting to do. And they rolled out a pretty unique lineup. They had Hamadou Diallo at the one, Justin Jackson on the floor. I believe they listed him as a shooting guard there. They also had Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby and Mike Muscala rounding out that five. A lot of just differences in that, in that team. I think everyone on there can actually switch on defense. So maybe that's why Mark Dagnall employed these guys. But your main ball handler would be Diallo, of course. And it worked insanely well. They went on a 13-2 run to open the quarter. And they got the game to just a one-possession lead with eight minutes to go in the fourth only a three-point lead for the trailblazers and it just it started on defense to be quite honest with you it wasn't just like you know Diallo's going up for isos nobody can stop him I mean partially it was but also the blazers they were trying to attack in like the mid-range and even at times at the three-point arc they were just jacking up crazy stuff they thought they were still just on fire Thunder ended up rejecting two of their first three shots, and it just set them kind of into reality, and they couldn't hit. So that's what the Thunder were left to work with, and they continued to work with things as they swapped out Mike Muscala with Al Horford. Other four guys stayed, and they got their run up to 21-4. to And in that process, they took the lead. Got their first lead since the first quarter... Off of a Lou Dort triple, you get up 98-97. to And then even Hamadou Diallo, right after that, got himself a sweet layup. And Darius Baisley got a couple of free throws. So the Thunder had a five-point lead built up. Highest lead of the game for them. And it looked like they might have been able to take the game away from the Blazers. But they just were not having it. As I mentioned, 10 of 22 in the first half from downtown kind of cooled off. And that's why the Thunder made themselves like back in the game. Yeah, Trailblazers, they got hot again. They went on a 12-0 run off of four triples in a row to take a sizable lead with just under two minutes to go. In the game, and by the time the OKC Thunder got the lid off the basket, it was really just too late. Blazers, they were still firing from deep, cashing in. They ended up winning 115 to 104. All these games they come down to clutch time. You need to be clutch if you want to take anything. And OKC, they did a good job working their way in, but Once they had their foot in the door, they just let things go. They let it loose and let it slip right out of their hands. Couldn't keep up with Portland, especially when they're shooting so high from downtown on actually very well-contested shots, by the way. They had 18 points, pretty much just poof, out of thin air in the fourth, just from downtown. And the Thunder, whenever they are trying to cook up points, it wasn't like they had five guys who were just pulling it from downtown and making shots it wasn't like they were working on layups and getting a free two points they had to work for every single thing they had to be quite honest with you and they really weren't even looking towards field goals in their biggest moments of desperation they were looking towards the free throw line and what that led to was no consistent number one option come the time when it mattered and the guy who led the team in scoring, Lou Dort, I mean he was having a hell of a game, but he wasn't gonna give you instantly three points in a matter of five seconds. His baskets take a long time to curate. It it takes some ten seconds to probably get a good looking shot off. And that's not just that's not gonna work. So that's why you didn't see them taking the victory at all there. I think the Portland Trailblazers They just checked all the boxes in this game, so if the Thunder took the W, this would have been very miraculous. Lillard, he dominated when it mattered. He finished with 31 points, 7 rebounds, and 10 assists on the night. His points came in spurts, though. In the first 12 points on 6 of 11 shooting, we got that. Thunder clamped him down for almost the entirety of the final three quarters. Quarters 2, 3, and most of quarter 4 couldn't get a basket for anything. Shot 2 of 10 there, and that's when the Thunder made their great jump into the contest. But Lillard, when I was talking about those triples that were falling late, yeah, it was off of him. He went 4 of 4 from downtown there to end up capping off his night and really just ended up getting the victory for them almost single-handedly right there. However, he did have some sidekicks with him, and it was in guards Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons. So Trent, 20-piece in the in the last month's game, just like Simons. He gets 19 in this one on 8 of 16 field goal shooting. More of just a catch-and-shoot guy. At times, he'll try to work in the mid-range, but that's really what he was being used as. He was the catch-and-shoot guy, and OKC, whenever they were kind of drained of players to help de- like play help defense i mean trent was the one getting open so that's why he was able to get his baskets and with simons he actually just made the shots for himself he was playing point guard a lot whenever lillard was in foul trouble so he just strolled up hit a quick step back and got enough room off for shots he literally looked like lillard and cj mccollum combined at some points in this game And it's pretty ridiculous that you see someone like him who he's a high volume scorer for sure. Consistency's not 100% a guarantee with him, but he just balls out against the Thunder for whatever reason. So he, I don't know if he gets it from Lillard. I'm not sure. He just, he just did his thing out there. Got all 15 of his points off of threes, shot five of eight. What are you going to do, right? And I think the third thing that really just helped him out, it was Enos Cantor, and he hardly looked any different than he did back in January. In January, this was when Roby was subbing in for Horford, and because of that, Kanter just feasted on the glass. He had 23 rebounds in the last contest, but in this game, even when you got Horford playing, he did just about the exact same. He had 21 rebounds, And seven of those came on the offensive end. You can't be doing that with someone like Enos Kanter, especially when likely, in all likelihood, you're crashing the glass on defense. If Kanter's corralling it, he's going to have two to three guys wide open from deep. And when they practically couldn't miss from down there, that's a major, major problem. So it was good on him for that. The surprising part about it, though, was he didn't even shoot the ball that well. He shot two of 10 pretty much right under the rim. So maybe it was a smart idea for him to try to look to others for points. Ended up getting just one assist, but he was still dishing it out to help out with the other parts of the team as there were a couple other guys who netted double figures in this game. For the Thunder I think there was great resiliency and just fight from the squad despite the loss and it came from a huge group effort. Dort as I mentioned he led the team with 23 points but there were still five other guys in double figures and they made it a goal to get physical when shots were not falling early and it resulted in a lot of free points at the line. Once you kind of get those shots going you can get some sort of sense of efficiency there, and you don't have to just rely on playing bumper cars, banging into everybody. You can just make shots, and that's what ended up happening. By the end of things, it, it kind of reverted back to, you know, panic mode, and let me crash into this these two guys, let me play a little round of human Plinko. I don't even know what you want to call it, but they wanted to get really physical by the end of things, and it just, it just didn't work out for them. But Even without that, I mean, they still were all, like, as a collective unit coming together for a majority of the the points. And what you tend to see whenever teams get down really early in games is someone tries to take the hero role, and nobody really did that. Everyone just worked as one to try to chip away, ended up working out for them, and And it was due to them being so active in passing the ball around. 23 of their 37 made field goals came assisted. That is 62% of their shots. And that extends their streak of 20 plus assist games to eight right now. So the ball is hot. It's going to lead to a lot of wide open takes. Sadly for the Thunder, they could not really convert from downtown. Whenever they were open, if they had one or two more shots to go, we would have been looking at a completely different outcome here as they shot just 10 of 33 from deep. But I'd I'd say that about all those were pretty wide open, so you can't really knock them for jacking it up. I think Lou Dort looked like a true leader in the game. Looks like probably his best form this season when you're looking at an offensive standpoint. He's been a bit wishy-washy from deep. In the month of February, he shot just 3 of 26 from beyond the arc in the first 6 games of the month. That's just 11%, by the way. Last 2 games, been a lot better. Shooting 6 of 17, that's a respectable 35%. So, I'm not really worried about his 3-pointer at this point. Teams are leaving him open. Eventually, you know, he's going to get back in rhythm and now it looks like he is. But the thing that really makes his game stand out right now is his ability to drive into the basket. And he's been really passive at times, but now he's just said F it. He's going in every single time he has the chance to. He has a surprisingly very quick first step to him. So teams, they really don't know how to guard him. Like they will just lackadaisically play him because they're like, oh yeah, we'll just let him shoot the basketball. But then he hits you with that first step And now what do you do? There's not a lot you can do, to be quite honest with you. Maybe you can try to get a little Oscar, Emmy, whatever you want to call it. Try to fake a charge call, but no. I mean, he's going to go right by you, and then you're looking at a two-on-one situation where Dort is driving in on a big man, and you got someone like Al Horford, Roby, or Muscala just camped right around the rim for a potential dish down low, and that's going to be two free points. So his ability to just work in there has made him such a diverse player and at times the number one option for some of the games. And it's just not it's not just solely on one on one penetrations like he's just been very fast and right on top of things. Even in transition, he's looked great. He even had a Tomahawk jam, just posterized Anthony Simons in the third quarter of this game. So there's more to his game than just going from point A to point B. He's working off of outlet passes as well. Think Hamadou Diallo. He's back. Had a really tough performance against the Milwaukee Bucks. Just 3 of 16 on the game. Not even getting to the free throw line. In this game, he was much, much better. The 22-year-old ended up dropping 17 points on 7 of 14 shooting. And he got to the line for 5 attempts. Only made 2 of them. But it's nice to see the refs were able to put him at the line. I like how I'm saying it like the refs just just gave it to him. That's not how it was. I mean, Diallo, he was the guy I was referring to when we're talking human plinko. He was going in everybody, just bulldozing. But yeah, he's, he's doing his thing. He played a little bit over 30 minutes, and that was largely in part due to Kenneth Williams getting in foul trouble. Didn't even play 20 minutes, so that's how you saw... Hami getting a lot more time and played pretty, pretty well. And even on defense, getting himself a steal and a block. So hats go up to him. I think Isaiah Roby, he looked pretty relaxed. He had to play at the five a lot in the game. And I mean, you got Al Horford active and he played 29 minutes, but when he wasn't on the floor, really it was Roby playing a lot against Enos Cantor and the Trailblazer Bigs. He had a double-double of 11 points and 10 rebounds on the game. Just a complete mismatch when you got Enos Cancer on you. He's not fast enough for Isaiah Roby. Roby is going to be wide open from downtown. He's never going to help out. Luckily for the Trailblazers, Roby only shot 1-3 and it was off the mark. But if he felt any sort of, of streak from outside... They would have been screwed because they were just betting on him not being able to shoot. They wanted him to try to go inside, and on the other end, they wanted him having a matchup with Enos Cantor because that's how he ended up getting such a high rebound count, even though he split time amongst Horford and Roby, but it is what it is. I think this has been one of Roby's best games in a little while, and he's looking real consistent again. I think he has uh, he's looked a little bit out of it, especially when it comes to just being physical around the glass. Luckily, other players such as Kenrich Williams and Diallo have chipped in, but now it looks like he's back to full form there. So very excited to see that from Isaiah Roby. Darius Baisley, though, I talked about how great he was in the first quarter of the game. Kind of dropped off after that point. He ended up notching double figures, got 14 points, 6 rebounds and 6 assists in 36 minutes, but it was on 4 of 16 from the field, so tough outing from him, it wasn't like these shots were bad, in fact, he shot a lot from outside, he shot 1 of 7 from there, but by the end of it, I mean, The Trailblazers were leaving him wide open, and what do you expect him to do? Just not do anything with it? I think there was actually a time where he he like stood there and decided not to take the three-point shot like wide open. I think he kicked it around, got it right back on a catch-and-shoot. I think it misfired, but you get the point. I mean, at times he didn't want to shoot it, but I'm happy that he did. With the situation we're in now, I think it's completely fine that we see guys... Playing a little bit off, and it's something that we're just gonna see with Baisley. It's an up and down year for him. A lot of these guys on the squad have had their times of despair, and you know, he's got another chance to impress in the next game that they play. Outside of Baisley, though, I mean you do need to look at Kenrich Williams. Even though he played just a little bit below twenty minutes, he had three points and eight rebounds. Eight rebounds in that little playing time? That is absolutely insane. Keep seeing big numbers from him. Only issue is, of course, he had four personal fouls, so you really can't put him on the floor. Justin Jackson, too. He didn't have the best of games. Kind of just got patched in there as a catch-and-shoot guy off the bench again. Two of four from deep, so there you go there. The little floaters that he's making his name off of they were not working at all though so he got six points on two of six shooting got three assists too so he helped out in the little stretches that they had I'd say it was decent given the circumstances like he wasn't in the forefront of the team again so having to shift like seismically to a another kind of duty on really no notice should give him a little bit of leeway here, but we'll see how Justin Jackson continues to work on the bench for the squad. You can see that actually tonight as the Thunder will wrap up their back to back set. They're going to go up against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight at 8 p.m. Central at the Chesapeake Energy Arena. We will see what exactly happens with the weather. If anyone wants to step in and say, no, we're not playing this, but as it is now, There is going to be a tip-off at 8, so make sure to tune in to Fox Sports Oklahoma for that one. Second game to talk about today, it's the OKC Blue. They ended up playing again. They are just on a roll when it comes to games. They got 15 games to cram in like a month's time, so you're going to see a lot of back-to-backs in just one-day breaks. There's not a lot of two games you got in there, but they ended up going against the Fort Wayne Mad Ants. And if you guys don't know, that is the Pacers affiliate. And they actually acquired a couple of our guys. They have Jalen LeQ and they also have Joshua Gray in that deal that pushed away Stephen Adams but got us a huge haul of expiring contracts, including George Hill and a future first round pick. So in this game, Intentions were clear from the blue. They have just been focused on driving inside and working there. Same goes here. Eleven of their fourteen field goals on the first quarter. They all came inside. And it worked to perfection for them as they outscored the Mad Ants 33 to 21 in the quarter. Not much that the Mad Ants could do there. Both sides pretty solid numbers when it comes to field goal percentage. Mad Ants shot a clean 10 of 20 in the first. OKC Blue, they shot 52%, but they had a lot more attempts. They shot 14 of 27. So there you go with them. In the second quarter, we saw even more of Moses Brown just beasting against everybody, stomping on the Mad Ants. He already had a double-double of 14 points and 10 rebounds three minutes into the second quarter. And behind him, everyone just rallied. And they got a lead as high as 19 in the quarter. Luckily for the Mad Ants, though, they got their act together. They cut the lead to just 9 going into halftime. But you had to be pretty confident as a Blue fan. The ball was constantly moving. Nobody was really able to stop them. It was just a matter of the Mad Ants finding their way offensively. think they were being shut down, and that's what led to such a big push. By the end of it, I think both sides were firing from offense. So, Still, just like the first quarter, pretty close in terms of percentages. When you look at it as a half, the Blue shot 44% on 22 makes. Mad Ants shot 46% but it was only on 19 makes. And in the third, the Mad Ants, they were still doing pretty well from the field. They chipped away at the lead, and they tied it at 64-all with four minutes and 25 seconds to go in the third. But then the blue, they got hot right when they needed to. They went on an 8-0 run to push the game to 72-64. And by the end of the quarter... They went on a run of 17-7 to in that final 425. So that gave them a double-digit 81-71 to lead entering the final 12. And in the final 12, Mad Ants again, they looked nice off the get-go. They went on a quick 7-2 to run. But then the blue, right when the Mad Ants may have thought they had a chance, took it right away. They went on a 13-2 run on the other end. Pretty much put it away, and they got it off of three triples back to back to back, just emphatic. Got up to sixteen points in the Mad Ants. They did a nice job trying to work their way into the game, but there wasn't enough time for them to complete any sort of comeback. So the OKC Blue ended up winning the game, one hundred and twelve to one o five, moving themselves up to three and one in the league i almost want to say that i enjoy watching the blue over the thunder right now and it's because of how much chemistry i've just seen from the team so far 27 of their 45 buckets in this game came assisted that's 60 percent of their shots in their previous game like 70 some odd percent came off of assists they are number one in the league right now when it comes to assists per game and it is not even close. Ball continues to move around. Coach Gibbs has just been enforcing that policy on everybody. And it has shown there have been plays where four guys will be open. They want to keep past it. There's four extra passes to create an ultra wide open shot where no one's even on the right side of the court. They might as well be on the complete opposite end of the court by that point. That's how open this guy would be. They could have had four other shots. They wanted to get that one. And the final shot, yeah, it's going to go in. But even outside of that, looking at it from like outlet passes, just immediately the millisecond once the blue gain possession, they're looking to push the pace and get a quick bucket. And it couldn't have been highlighted any better than this. Xavier Simpson, he got the rebound and Moses Brown, he was cherry picking He was doing whatever he wanted to, to be quite honest with you. But Simpson, he sees it, pretty much just gets down on the ground, puts him in focus, and launches a 90-foot fastball right into the palms of Brown. He's going to get two free points off of that. So Simpson, he looked very crafty. Moses Brown, inside, you know, you're not really going to stop him. And just the team together, whenever they're passing like this, Nobody is going to end up defeating them. So that's great from them. And I think just going to Moses Brown, since I mentioned him, he's probably without a doubt the best center in the G League right now. And there's probably a case to say he's just the best player in the league based strictly off numbers right now. In the game, he ended up finishing with 24 points on 10 of 17 shooting. So 59% and getting 20 rebounds in the process. Cherry on top, get yourself four blocks. Now, what the G League does is they do a little, like, daily leader leaderboard, I guess, where they show you, like, in certain categories who the top five are. Moses Brown, yeah, he kind of crushed, like, literally all of them. With his 24 points, he had the second most of the day, I think in first place at like 28 or something. In the rebound category, if you're getting twenty, no one's gonna be near you. And he was first in blocks with four. So just everywhere. Complete obliteration. Being seven foot two going up against these smaller guys should give you a lot. And it's actually pretty funny and awesome watching Moses Brown in work. It's a true piece of art because it's literally like taking a candy from a baby at this point. Nobody's able to just get him off his game. Players were going for charge attempt after charge attempt. And I think it got to the point where the refs just decided, you know what? Moses Brown, he's been too good this game. We need to pull the plug on him. He had a couple of 50-50 charge calls enforced on him in the game. So he ended up fouling out playing just 24 minutes he played like 30, you're looking at him cracking like 30 points and 25 rebounds or something. He was on track to make some history. Refs did not want to pardon it. And the Mad Ants, they sure as hell did not either. So Brown, you know, whenever he's around five feet away from the basket, his real efficiency is very limited. He's not stretching the floor. We saw it with the Thunder, strictly just a pick and roll player who. Can get your rebounds, pass it up court, and if he gets it on offense, yeah, he'll clean it up for you. Doing the dirty dishes against the Mad Ants when nobody, truthfully, is of his size or or weight, really, to bang him up. It was it was freebies for him. Nothing, nothing was getting in his way. And the same could be said with his backup center too. Because Omer Yurt 7, he also had a great night he had sixteen points and eight rebounds off of the bench, and he only ended up having to play 23 minutes in this game and he got his sixteen points on eight of twelve shooting just right around the basket. they had nothing they could do with either of the seven footers just feasting same boat as brown not not much not much else to be quite honest with you we'll say. Rob Edwards, though, coming off the bench again and being just a positive piece to the team, he generated 12 points, and I think he's been kind of a secret to this group so far, and he's been a player who has been a bright spot every time. I mean, he had a plus-minus in the game of positive 27. Clearly, just one game doesn't matter a lot, but when you're looking at him compared to others... I mean, no one was even in the vicinity of this kind of plus minus. The second closest dude was Ryan Woolridge, who had a plus 14. Come on. Astronomical production from Rob Edwards in his 20 minutes, and clearly from the whole team. 5 of 10 shooting and 2 of 5 from deep range. He's the perfect shot creator you want. And when you have bigs such as Yurt7 and Moses Brown, if you get him on a high ball screen... He's really effective in the mid range. If he just continues to go baseline, you may see a time where centers may have to switch or help defense will be imposed. That's when you strike in, laser in a past your big, right out to the perimeter. That's how you start up open shots. And if not, Rob Edwards, he's very great at just shooting it. So just let him shoot. If not, and you will take your chances there because they're they're pretty good. Also, you got to talk about the first round selection by the squad in Xavier Simpson. Already told you about what should be a SportsCenter top 10 play in that super duper full court fastball pass. Just beautiful execution there. But in general, he's just the team's number one passer. He ended up getting eight assists on the game to go along with his double digit outing of 13 points. Been great. 5 of 10 from the field, 0 of 1 from deep. Didn't really need the three ball though. He was the one who really was going around screens all the time, and a lot of those eight assists actually went to Moses Brown because they were kind of overhelping and the centers were getting out of positions off of screens. So Simpson just had a lob it right over Brown's man and yet a clean just Dunk right around the basket, so pretty easy pickings for him. And when they started just latching on to Brown, you know he's got a pretty nice runner game to him, so he'll just get the free layups when given the opportunity. So great decision making from Simpson on the game. Talking about some of the OKC assignees though, they have quite frankly seen better days in a basketball uniform. Ty Jerome, he started. Played 27 minutes and scored 6 points on 2 of 10 shooting. I think the biggest hole that we saw from him is he just wasn't passing the ball around. He was a guy brought in to not only be a shooter, but be a passer. Often ends up getting stuck because he's not fast enough to penetrate. And once you get stuck down low around the elbow to the free throw line, you get into a little bit of trouble. And that's where he found himself a lot. And he settled for some pretty terrible shots in the game. Same can be said with Alexei Pokachevsky. He played 20 minutes. Didn't even score a point. He shot 0 of 7 from the field and 0 of 3 from downtown. Had 3 rebounds, 3 assists, but he also had 2 turnovers. Just looking to see him as a passer kind of fabricate his game. We know it's a long process with Pogachevsky. With Jerome, maybe not so much because he's already 23 years old. But yeah, Pokachevsky's 19. You throw him in here, get his bad games out of the way, and let Coach Gibbs kind of just retool him and refine him before he ends up coming back to the Oklahoma City Thunder. But other than that, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.